Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast special announcement. I am teaming up with Katie Couric Media's Wake Up Call and Random House to give away 100 copies of the book Stranger Care by Sarah Santillis. I'm really excited about this. Here's a little about Sarah's book, and we collectively are giving away 100 copies. After their decision not to have a biological child, Sarah Santillis and her husband, Eric, decide to adopt via the foster care system. Despite knowing that the system's goal is the child's reunification with the birth family, Sarah opens their home to a flurry of social workers who question them, evaluate them, and ultimately prepare them to welcome a child into their lives, even if it means most likely having to give the child back. Stranger Care is an illuminating read, and Sarah will be on this podcast soon. So, If you would like to enter for a chance to win, please go to the link in the episode description from right where you clicked on it and enter your email address, first and last name. By doing so, you're agreeing to the sweepstakes official rules and agree to receive communications and special offers from Katie Couric's wake up call and moms don't have time to read books. Thank you for doing it and enter to win today. Just go back to the episode description. Thanks again. 
I did an Instagram live with Stephen Raleigh, the author of The Gunkle. We actually had marketed it as cocktails or something like that at like 5.30 on a Friday. I don't think either of us actually had any cocktails, but it was fun to talk to him. I had already interviewed Stephen about his novel, The Editor, which I really loved. And now we got to do it on Instagram Live. Stephen is the best-selling author of Lily and the Octopus, which was a Washington Post notable book of 2016. And as I mentioned, The Editor, which was named by NPR and Esquire magazine as one of the best books of 2019. His new novel, The Gunkle, is what we talked about today, and oh, the Oprah magazine hailed it as one of the LGBT books changing the literary landscape. His fiction has been published in 20 languages, and Lily and the Octopus is in development as as a feature film at Amazon Studios. The editor was optioned by 20th Century for director Greg Berlanti. Stephen has worked as a freelance writer, newspaper columnist, and screenwriter. Originally from Portland, Maine, he is a graduate of Emerson College. He currently resides in Palm Strings with his husband, the writer Byron Lane. Hi! Hi! (laughs) How's it going? Good, it's so great to see you. Great to see you too. I feel like so much in the world, oh my gosh, since I've seen you last, has been crazy. So much has changed. So much has changed, but not your sense of humor. Well, no, I survived intact. And thankfully with the books, books have gotten me through the past 15 months. And so I am so grateful to, to be out here and talking with you again about a new book. Amazing. So, Stephen, tell everybody what the gunkle is about. Yeah, I guess I guess we should start right at the very beginning. By the way, this was this was advertised as a happy hour. So. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I know. I know. Here, I brought a drink. Yes, uh, this is all that I had left in my cheers. my bottle. But <laughs> cheers. Yes, it's a happy hour and happy Friday to everybody. If anybody's watching or will be watching later, I'm so happy we got to Friday. Sorry for jumping in. This is habit now, I guess. I just have to know what everybody's books are about. (laughs) But yes, it's so nice to get to the end of a week. I don't know. Every Friday, it's like, just, it's like, how did I get through that one? But boom. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I guess we'll start, start at the very beginning in case, in case there's anyone who doesn't know what a gunkle is. Gunkle has become very popular slang in the past five, 10 years for a gay uncle. And more so than that, it sort of has a connotation of a sort of larger than life, fabulous kind of character, sort of like anti-mame was back in the day. And so, and certainly that is the case with with this character. Patrick O'Hara is a retired television star living kind of a reclusive life in Palm Springs, California. And when a tragedy strikes and he is tasked with taking in his niece and nephew for the summer. Now, not unlike I can imagine, now he's unprepared for that. And as I can imagine, a lot of parents were this past year as they suddenly had to deal with family in an entirely different way and learning homeschooling and all sorts of things that Patrick has thrown in the deep end for. So it's it's so strange our, how it kind of lines up with the times. Are caftans like a requirement of a uncle or just a nice to have? <laughs> yeah, well, Patrick is fond of wearing caftans. It's right on the cover. I have a whole caftan closet. If anybody wants to follow me, I'm a, I'll be posting lots of caftan content soon, including some giveaways. And uh, I, I'm going to have a discount code for my favorite caftan company. So stay tuned. I'm going to be posting that uh, maybe this weekend. So what about the toilets or the ah! not a toilet? What do you call it? What do they call it? A washlet. A washlet. Yeah. yeah. Are you giving big, those away? A set piece in the book with, yeah, Patrick has a $20,000 Japanese 
toilet or washlet, as they say. And sadly, I do not have any such marketing partnership with that company <laughs> to give away. Right. You know, I would have to invest 20000 of my own dollars to do that giveaway. And frankly, the, the strange thing about being a writer, and I don't know how thriller writers do this, you know, if you ever Google how to get rid of a body or whatever, I think the, the FBI would be after you. But for me, like after doing research for that, for that particular porcelain device, all of my sponsored content, all of my suggested ads were for very high-end bathroom appliances. So. I bet. Oh my gosh. You can't even, yeah. Do you watch Succession ever, by the way? Yes, um, yes. You know how they have that whole thing, like we're listening, well, they, uh-huh. we really are listening, yeah. you know, because <laughs> they listen in on so every true. conversation to market, you know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. well, your book was hilarious, but also, you know, poignant. And like, it starts off with, kids losing their mother and then their father ends up admitting himself for opioid addiction. But yet you do it in like a lighthearted way. If you could ever put loss and addiction in the first chapter of a book and make it funny, I guess you get that prize. But, yeah, I mean, but well, here's, these are here's heavier the topics. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've always had a long fascination with with anti-mame. It's always been a favorite. First, the, the 1955 Patrick Dennis novel, and then it was a a Broadway show and a movie with Rosalind Russell and then a, a Broadway musical and then a movie musical with Lucille Ball. And so it's had this long and and originally I sort of imagined myself writing a sort of light comedic novel, you know, in that shadow. And then early on in the, the writing process, I, I did actually lose one of my very best friends from college to breast cancer. And she left behind a six year old son, which is devastating. It's just devastating. And so it got me thinking about grief and children in a much more serious way. You know, what does a six-year-old remember of his mother? What space does family and friends and her community have to step in and remind these children how fiercely they were loved? And, and you know, Auntie Mame sort of sent her orphan nephew off to boarding school, and I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to sidestep the grief. And I think the book is still very funny. I think it's outright my funniest book to date, but it, it's walking a very fine line, as you say. And it was a, a challenge to know just when to treat it very seriously and just, just when there was room for to, to deflate some of the tension with a laugh. And you even put in the meaning of life sort of in the middle of, of the jokes about... Oh, you, you just know, sneak it in there as you do. Three's company and all of that stuff. Wait, hold on. I have to find this passage. Let's see. Well, it was something like people, you know, one of the kids asked, why is there death? And you said, or Patrick said, you know, people die and so that we can appreciate the life we have, which I'm like, is that why people die early? That's so sad. Like who gets to decide who the sacrificial lambs then get to be, right? Which families have to suffer for that, for the rest of us to sort of benefit from yeah, yeah I, day, you know, but... I, I wish I, I wish I knew the answer to that. In my first novel, Lily and the Octopus, I had a line in there that was that was something like the distribution of loss is inequitable. It doesn't it doesn't feel like anyone's in charge of handing it out sometimes. And that's, you know, why so many people have faith and look for meaning in, in that way. But, you know, for those of us without, it is a real struggle to understand that. But anyway, you had this other very interesting passage when Maisie asks Patrick, do you like being gay? And he says, I used to. And she says, you don't anymore. And and Patrick says, it used to be cool being gay, counterculture, you know, rebellious. Now it's all gay marriage, gay adoption, assimilation. And some of that's good. It's progress. But I liked it more when it was different. Now everyone's in a hurry to be the same. Do you share any of those thoughts? <laughs> Do I share views? I don't know. Where did this come from? Well, I don't know if those are my views per se. Like, you know, spoiler alert. So so I live with another writer, Byron Lane, whose, whose debut novel came out 
last summer during the pandemic called The Star is Born. And living with another writer, you know, we're each other's first readers. We help each other through drafts, give notes. And I thought I knew his book frontwards and backwards. But he snuck in in the back of his acknowledgments four words when the book went to print in hardcover, which was, will you marry me? And, you know, so for anyone who read his book and then was wondering what happened, I answered that proposal in the back of the acknowledgments for the Gunkle. But spoiler alert, it worked out. So clearly, uh, you know, clearly my views and Patrick's views diverged a little bit. But, you know, characters are interesting ways to sort of work through some intellectual arguments sometimes that you that you have with yourself. Wow. See, that's the problem with getting galleys is like, this is Oh, there's no acknowledgments. Acknowledgements to come. I know. This yeah. is why I have to get the real copy. I probably, I don't know, maybe I have it somewhere. Well, that is really exciting news and what a totally riderly way to be proposed to and accept. Yeah, and so, yeah. so now our proposal and the acceptance are both documented in the Library of Congress. So I don't, I don't know who else could say that. <laughs> oh my gosh. So maybe your next one is like, what do you think? Adoption? Are we I, I know, right? We're going to have to keep having books now to have yeah, this sort exactly. of epistolary romance going back and forth. Wow. In 50 years, we can like look back on the whole thing and track your fights and track everything, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, yeah, that'll be the back of the acknowledgments for the it's over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hopefully, exactly. Oh, no, that. look what happened to them now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I finally found that quote. Maisie said, I don't understand why people have to die. That's an easy one. Some people are here for a long time and some people are only here for a short time. And none of us know. That's the beauty of it. We don't have a damned clue how much time we get. So gunkle rule number, Maisie, what number are we on? Eight. And then you said, that's why people live your life to the fullest every single day, because every day is a gift. That's why people die, to teach us the importance of living. Okay, sorry, I had to read it. Now that Yeah, these little nuggets of wisdom in between the, in the hopefully wisdom, but between the jokes, you know, like, like anyone who fashions themselves after a bit of anti-mame, Patrick has these, you know, bon mots or, or sort of little nuggets of wisdom that he likes to coin as gunkle rules. And so, you know, that was that was really interesting in, in, you know, Maria in The Sound of Music had music. Mary Poppins, when she blew in on the wind, had actual magic. You know, Patrick's sort of, you know, strength as a caregiver over the course of this summer. And listen, he learns as much from the kids as they do from him. It really is about a season of healing for all three of them. But his strength is his lived experience as an out gay person. So his empathy, his sense of humor, his pop cultural references, his his politics, his worldview, you know, all come from his lived experience as as a gay man. And so it's fun to watch him sort of funnel what wisdom there is from that experience and applying it to the kids' lives. It's also, you know, you use him as a vehicle to express a lot of things that like parents, aunts, uncles, and everybody agree with in terms of dealing with kids. In particular, the fact that kids like don't watch TV anymore and prefer to have, you know, you're like, Patrick says like, I have 65 inch screens and yet they're on these like two inch and devices. And it's so true. I'm like, why do I even have a television on the wall? Like, right. I'm like, how about we watch a channel? They're like, what? Yeah. like a channel where something just automatically comes on. You mean the ones with ads? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. the ones with ads. Like, no, not no interest. That's it. Well, I'm a real life gungle to five. And so the oldest of whom is 12. So they're, they're all still young, but it is yeah, it's really remarkable to me. Now, I am not a former television star like Patrick. That was an invention on, on my part. But, you know, for him, he takes it very personally. But I'm always, I'm equally aghast sometimes because when we were growing up, like television was everything. Like it was, you yes. know, not babysitter as much as it is today for, for, for busy families, but like 
you know, and, and by the way, there wasn't enough to babysit it. There were three channels okay. and that yes. was kind of it and PBS. But, you know, it was certainly a reward and it was the reward that we all worked towards uh, to like watching television was like, it was so great. And my mother loves to tell this, the story that the saddest day in my life was the day that I realized Mr. Rogers was not just talking to me, that other people yes. could see him too. Okay, like Patrick, that happens to Patrick. So. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I forget what's it. Oh, actually, yeah. So I always have a hard time getting used to it. And they're like, well, we'll watch it later. I'll be like, well, you don't understand. In our day, you had to, you know, butts had to be in the chair at the moment it aired. You didn't have a choice. If you missed it, you missed it. But it's, no, I, I would like watch Little House on the Prairie every day at five and I would like, uh, run and take a shower and bath yeah. like between commercials so that I could yeah. finish it before dinner. Yeah, oh, or was- like coordinating like a bathroom run- and getting a snack and being back during the totally. commercial break. Yeah. yeah. Although the commercials then were so great too. And mm. and that was like, I mean, I, I know everybody talks about this, but I do miss that sort of collective consumption and how everybody from a certain era, like we all, it's a shorthand, right? Like Silver Spoons and a Night of the Golden Girls. Yeah. Like yeah. You know, even like Soul Trade or I don't know, whatever the shows were. Whatever. Um, Dance Fever, all these shows. Yeah. Dance Fever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. And he was so funny too, Patrick, about like not wanting to sit on the aisle and not <laughs> because he was afraid people might recognize him despite his years off of being an Yeah, activist. flying. He doesn't want to fly in coach. He calls it steerage. Yeah. <laughs> He's so funny. Oh my gosh. And how was the writing process of this book? So did you write this during the, was it done during pandemic times or beforehand? Well, strangely, or? yeah, it is, it is kind of about a character who's been in self-isolation, finding his way back into the light. And, you know, the one thing a writer has no control over is sort of world events as, as their book comes out, you know, and, and that's why I'm so grateful to, to people like you who helped shine a spotlight, particularly people who had debuts last year during the pandemic. And, you know, so many books, I think, got lost in the shuffle. And it's, it's so hard, you know, to break through sometimes. So you have no control over world events. But fortunately, with this book, they just seem to line up. I would love to say, Oh, yeah, I wrote it during the pandemic, and, and this uh, was kind of vaguely addressing that. But the truth was the book was largely done before before quarantine began. And so, no. But it takes the pressure off because, you know, a lot of writers are, are trying to decide, like, oh, how do we address this time in our next works? And, and for some reason, I feel like I've, I've written my sort of COVID novel, you know, about isolation and, and rejoining the world. So I guess pressure's off. I don't know. There was some line in here about vaccinations, but they were referring to like the measles or something else. Like, and at first I was like, oh, is that, are they talking about COVID vaccinations all of a sudden? But then I realized, of course, like, no, people got vaccinated. No, there were vaccinated. I know. It's all so focused on this one vaccination. I know. There were vaccinations. I know, exactly. And they were super important and, you know. all the rest of it. It was also so funny how when I think one of the kids asked Patrick why he lived in Palm Springs and you were like, you, I keep saying you, Patrick, (laughs) Patrick was like, well, you know, I'm thin in Palm Springs, right? Like in Connecticut or, or I'm thin Uh, in Connecticut. This is the, the sad truth for gay men. And listen, I live in Palm Springs. So like, this is, this is true for me. I just turned 50 last month. It is, uh, you know, it is, Thank you. You know, the sad truth for gay men is that 50 is old in in Los Angeles. It's sort of middle aged in San Francisco and it's young in Palm Springs. And so that's that's why he's sort of retired to Palm Springs. But listen, it was fun to set a story there in in a city where people associate it more with retirement or sort of end of life than with raising children. And so it was a fun sort of fish out of water element to put 
kids in this setting where, where there aren't a lot of other kids. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's true. We go to the tennis tournament there. Now I'm blanking on what it's called. But oh, the Indian, Indian Wells. Wells. Yeah. Indian Wells. Yeah. The, uh, so Parabas okay. Open. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love like it. I've been to that as well. I missed it last year. So yeah. I, rumor is it'll be back in October. That's what okay. I'm so we'll see. Excellent. And what are you working on now? Did you already finish your next book? Are you working on it? Uh, or what's the story? <laughs> Zibby is either, well, you're way too young to be my mother. So you're my agent, maybe perhaps, because th- these are the two who asked me this question. I'm always writing something. And yes, I have been been working on something. I don't know. You know, I, I, I've said this before, but it, it's writing to me is such a it's such an input output endeavor. Right. We need like observations of life. I need to be out there uh, seeing the world and experiencing people. And that's been so hard to do this past year. And even when you are observing people, like oftentimes they're, you know, behind a mask and it's hard to get these sort of wonderful details that make you feel so creative and all that. But I have been, I've definitely been writing and I need to go back now and read what I've written over the past year and see if it's any good. Or now I need to go out and observe all the details that I can now sort of layer over this to make it feel rich and complete as a, as a novel. But I'm also very excited. We announced last week that film rights for the Gunkle have been picked up by Lionsgate. And so that's right now, great. actually, I'm writing an adaptation of the Gunkle for the big screen. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. great that you get to do that. So cool. Well, that yeah, would be fun. It's That'll very be- exciting. And to imagine these characters sort of coming to life, it's very exciting for me. Are you going to do a big premiere in Palm Springs? All caftan red carpet. <laughs> All caftan red carpet. I love it. Yes, there's. I can see the whole thing going. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Well, Palm Springs, you know, it's going to, next week, it's already going to be up to 115 degrees here. So it depends what time of year the premiere is. Otherwise, everyone would just melt. Wow. You'll have to time the release to yeah. a, a more temperate. Yeah. Know. So I somehow make it a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Christmas in Palm Springs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I know I asked you this. 
when we first met about the editor, which by the way, remains like top of my list. It was such a great book and your characters in that were so vivid that, you know, I think about it a lot and sort of the Jackie Onassis characters, like quiet reservation and just, I don't know. I feel like I can like see the whole thing still, which to me is like a good book when like the characters sort of are implanted in my brain, despite Mm. whatever else I throw in there. So Yeah, and with the number of books that come that pass through your hands, I'm honored that that sticks with you. Like having a like like I can't remember anything but characters and novels. Like what a useless skill, but at least I found something to do with it. You know, (laughs) (laughs) right? Right. Oh my gosh! But anyway, what advice would you have for aspiring authors? Yeah, and congratulations, by the way, since I've seen you last, you've had your book come out. I mean, you were one of those authors who had a book released during the during the pandemic. So you know firsthand how difficult it can be to to uh, break through, and specifically at a time like, uh, you know, one of the hardest parts for last year was missing bookstores. I just missed going into bookstores and browsing because that's, you know, the new release table or asking our booksellers for recommendations. You know, that's yep. so, you know, you can buy books online and you can support all of your independent bookstores online too. And, you know, many ship and have been open for curbside pick up and whatnot, but it, but you kind of have to know what you're looking for to shop online. Anyway, what, I don't even remember the question. Advice for writers. Advice. Advice for writers. Yeah, I will say, you know, like, keep at it. You know, I don't think this was your first career, and this certainly was not my first career, and I, I've been writing for, you know, years and years and years, and I didn't publish my first novel into my 40s. It takes time. You know, I'm, I was always jealous of 25-year-olds who come out of the Iowa Writers Workshop and write something brilliant. And mm-hmm. and that was not my path. There, It is okay to live life and find your voice. I think that is the most important thing. You know, not only your writing style, which is, which is very important also, but what it is that you have to say about the world. And it's okay if that takes you time. You know, like Where the Crawdads Sing, you know, Delia Owen's first novel and she was 70. And that's been the biggest publishing story of, of the past, you know, 10 years. So there's time and patience. And, you know, if you read, some, if you see someone with their debut novel and getting a lot of attention, chances are they have other books. You know, I had, I have three manuscripts on the shelf that were not published before I broke through with my first novel, Lily and the Octopus. So, you know, it takes time and it's connecting the right, the right paths. And there's no substitution for doing the work. You have to write and you also can't give up. I love that. So I have another anthology coming out in November called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. And in it, there's a whole section on how moms don't have time to write. And so I wrote an essay called, like, To All the Books I Never Sold. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because there are so many of them, and they just keep piling up. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's so important. Like, if you have young kids, like, I don't know, you know, I I have a hard time finding the time to write sometime and I don't have I, and I don't have kids. And so, you know, all the power to you, but also my god, what rich sort of fertile ground to find things to write about. So, the hope is that, you know, don't get to, you know, to other people out there, don't get so discouraged that you don't have the time in this moment. Take notes, you know, build some sort of system where where you're sort of cataloging all these wonderful things, because the sad truth is memory fades. So catalog all this while it's fresh. And one day, sometime, the right time will present itself to sit down and actually do the writing. But it's those it's those wonderful details that you want to have at your fingertips. It's so true. It's like in college or whatever, when you were working on a paper, part of working on the paper was going to the library and like reading all the stuff and taking all the notes yeah. And then eventually you would get Eventually, it you write. Yeah. You would write it. But I feel like there's something that wannabe writers look down on themselves thinking that, you know, 
they don't realize that actually what they're doing every day by just living is is doing that research and they're not in the library necessarily but yeah without well, that they can't do the writing part so yeah the, there's a there was a a concept i heard called i think it was like called the double arrow or something and writers writers are very guilty of this and you can apply this to a much broader context too it's like so say i you know, I wrote my, I was writing, I had a day job at the time and I would get up super early in the morning, you know, and, and at 5am or 6am to, to, to have a couple hours to write before I had to go to work. And so say I knew I had a three hour window. And then because I was tired and just waking up, I realized I was having a cup of coffee and I was on the internet and I was wasting time for the first 90 minutes. And then I realized, oh my God, now I only have 90 minutes left to write. And then the second arrow is, me, you know, it, it, the damage comes from I'm being so angry at myself for not being productive for the first 90 minutes that then you, then you waste the second 90 minutes being angry and then you have no time to write. And I think that that happens sometimes. We think like, oh God, I didn't write today, today this week, this month, and then you know, it just self-perpetuates. And the thing is, like, you can put a stop to it up any time, but, it, you know, eventually the butt has to go in the seat and, and there's no substitution, as I said, for showing up. So when there is time, don't waste it being angry at yourself before because life is busy. Life is incredibly busy, you know? And now, and look what we've asked so many people to do in the past year, become teachers and caregivers in, in a whole and incredibly stressful new way. So patience and hopefully the time will present itself. Perfect. I love it. And in the meantime, you can delight yourself by reading other great books like The Gunkle, which is so funny and poignant and just, you know, I just love that like sarcastic wit and all of that. It's just very refreshing. So um, thank you. I mean, reading has, you know, it certainly has saved me in the past 15 months. And, and, you know, when we're talking about that input, you know, being able to hear so many stories and listen, not just COVID, our country has gone through a lot in the past year. And it's so important right now to read books by people who don't have your life experience, who don't look like you. And that is how we are really, as I said, refilling that sort of creative and coffers. Yeah. You're absolutely right. hundred percent. Well said. All right. Awesome. Well, I have miss a great you in weekend. person. I know. Great I can't to wait till we can talk again. <laughs> in Cheers. Person. Have, a great, right. have a great weekend. Thank and you. Thank and thank you, everybody. everybody. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.